Good morning, church. Morning. Welcome to Faith Christian Fellowship's uh, Youth Sunday. Um, if you've uh, never been here, this is um, actually, it's a part of, it's, it's, it's when they asked me to uh, put together Youth Sunday, it was kind of hard because uh, I feel like every Sunday is Youth Sunday at Faith Christian Fellowship um, because we've done, uh, I feel like Faith has done a really good job of integrating the youth into our regular worship service. Um, and what you saw here was just, um, it's, it's, it really is a regular part of our service. Uh, but thank you, uh, elders and everyone who is uh, helping make this possible. Um, and so today, um, so if you guys don't know who I am, I'm uh, Ruben Amlalo. I'm the youth ministry director here at FCF. Uh, this is my third year here. And um, it's a pleasure and honor anytime I get the privilege to, to uh, bring the word of God to you. Um, Today, we will actually be following sort of the uh, D-group calendar, and uh, we'll be doing what we are doing in D-group, actually. We're going through the book of Genesis, um, and specifically, we're looking at Jacob's family, <laughs> um, Jacob's family, and um, so I'm actually going to invite uh, Jackie up to read for us what uh, I'm going to be talking about today. Now, this is, so part of, we already read part of Jacob's family story, and um, this is just the second part. Now, I'm not going to be preaching specifically from any of the stories, but I'm kind of just going to mishmash them all together. The kids up here heard this, um, and I'm trying not to bore them to death, all right? Um, but our format today is going to be a little different than you might be used to. Uh, just hang with me. The first part is going to be sort of a retelling of the story in dramatic fashion, um, and the second part is going to be more dialectical, which is regular preaching that we do here. So when you sense a switch in the mood or in the style, there is a method to the madness by God's grace. All right. All right. So Jackie's going to read for us uh, uh, Genesis 39, verse 1 through 7. Good morning, church. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph, so Joseph found favor in his sight, and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. For the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. And Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, let's pray. Uh, Lord, your word is uh, living and active, sharper than any uh, two-edged sword, uh, piercing through the division of bone and marrow, uh, discerning our thoughts and our intentions. Uh, Lord, please discern our thoughts and our intentions, and um, by your grace, open our eyes that we may see Jesus. Amen? Uh, so like I said, uh, today I'll be talking to you about the life um, of Joseph, but really, uh, we're talking about Jacob's family. 
um, Jacob's family. Jacob's family is the promised family um, that God had promised to Abraham that he's going to make them into a great nation. Um, and today I've titled the sermon, The Beloved Son. The Beloved Son. And um, it's, a, it's a one point sermon, y'all. <laughs> Just one point. <laughs> I have one point and I have one theme, and, and it's this. If you don't take anything away from today's message, I want you to take this away. The beloved son was cast out to make room for us. Let me say it one more time. The beloved son was cast out to make room for us. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He'd heard of the Ishmaelites, the middleman who bought and sold him into Egypt. He tried, but he really could not be mad at them. After all, his own brother sold him into slavery. He remembered from his bedtime stories how the Ishmaelites were the children of his great-grandfather, Abraham. He'd also heard about Egypt, the great Egypt. He always thought perhaps he would come here one day as a great man. As he saw in his dreams... Not like this at all. God, not like this. He thought maybe he'll come to Egypt as a ruler himself. After all, God has showed him in his dreams. Yet here he is. It was weird since he got to the slave auction. No one cared to ask him what his name was. Standing there on display almost naked like a piece of meat in a market. He thought it was interesting that Potiphar's wife took a keen interest in him, this Hebrew boy. But later he'll find out why. He didn't speak the language, so of course he could not make out all that was going on with the, uh, the merchant. But he was a quick learner. From what he could make out the, of the strange language we're speaking, the last time she sent her husband to the market to find a houseboy, he brought home a good-for-nothing lazy bum. This time, she was going to take matters into her own hands. This time, she was going to find someone more fitting for the job. What's this one's name, she asked, which immediately took him back to the times when he alone and his father would stroll through the town. And in that time, only he would be with his father, the dynamic duo. Jacob and his son, Joseph. You can never separate them. And people will ask, what is this one's name? Now, he was one of many sons, and in that time, a man with 12 sons was a celebrity, of course. Practically a millionaire. And Jacob would say, this one. He always paused when he said it, this one. This one, what's his name? This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. We call him Joseph. Then he will add, mark my words, one day, one day the whole world will know my beloved son. But now, Joseph wondered whether his father was out there looking for him. Would he think to come to Egypt to find me, he thought? Surely, he thought himself. 
little story my brothers made up about where I am would make sense to father, would it? Surely his father will send out men to the ends of the earth to find his beloved son, wouldn't he? Surely the whole nightmare will be over before anyone realizes he's gone. Now back in Canaan, no one could talk about anything else for days. Have you heard seemed to be the start of every conversation? Have you heard what happened to Jacob's boy? Which is funny because he has 12 boys. Which one are you talking about? Did Reuben sleep with his stepmother again? Did Simeon and Levi go to a town and kill all the men and take their property again? Did Judah sleep with his daughter-in-law again? None of the above. Don't tell me it's Joseph. Don't tell me it's Jacob's beloved son. Don't tell me something happened to him. Rachel's boy. Yeah. Oh, dear. What happened to Rachel's boy? What happened to Jacob's beloved son? His brothers lost him. What do you mean his brothers lost him? You lose a pen. You lose your father's favorite pen. You don't lose your father's favorite son, do you? How did they lose him? Well, word is, Jacob sent the boy, his beloved son, to make sure the brothers were not in trouble since they were going near Shechem to feed the flock. Oh, Shechem. Isn't that where Simeon and Levi? Yes, it is. Oh, so Jacob must be worried, wouldn't he? Yep, he was worried, so he sent his son. Well, the brothers were the only ones with any evidence of what's left of the boy. They brought back the coat. They brought back the coat. Oh, the coat of many colors. That thing was one of a kind. Definitely, that's Joseph's. Do you think Jacob believed them? Do you think Jacob will go out and look for his beloved son? For the last four weeks in D group, we've, been, we've become like the Canaanites. Um, in the story you just heard, and we frankly cannot get enough of the lies, of the trickery, of the debauchery, or in other words, of the wretchedness of the family. But above all, we cannot get enough of the love between the father and his beloved son. This summer, while some of us were enjoying the World Cup, a tragedy was, uh, was also on the horizon. Twelve youth soccer players from Thailand and their coach were stuck in a cave so remote it would cost lives to even try to save them. And in fact, one of the rescuers died, you know. Now, what stood out to me as I listened to the story was just how helpless the entire nation of Thailand was. They had to go outside of their whole country to find help. How helpless the boys were. But did you, did you catch how helpless the parents were? 
They're boys stuck in a remote place. Who would go get them? Who would find them? They know where they are. Sometimes our love for our children is not enough to save them because of where they are. Sometimes love is not enough. Jacob loved his son dearly. Yet, that was not enough to bring him back. And if there are any youth in the room, <laughs> a youth Sunday, we send them all out to go do work. <laughs> um, if there are any youth in the room, I want you to think about this. There are places where your parents cannot go with you because they don't even know where you are. Today's youth are stuck between a rock and a hard place. Joseph is stuck between a rock and a hard place because his brothers, between his brothers and Potiphar's wife, between two characters who would abuse the authority, one a group of men, one a woman, one family, one outsiders. In our scripture reading, we got a profile of the brothers. In chapter 38, we get a detailed profile of one of the brothers, Judah. And the story is so grim, it's actually probably not kosher to read it in polite company. But read it in your privacy of your homes, chapter 38 of Genesis. See, Judah represents Joseph's brothers, the inner circle of Joseph's life, and ultimately male abuse of power in the story between him and Tamar. In summary, Tamar, Judah's daughter-in-law, is forced really by conditions created by Judah to prostitute herself to get what was rightfully hers, namely the protection and respect and the honor that comes from having children in the culture. This was her life insurance payout after the death of her husband, Judah's son, Er. And yet Judah refused to sign the check for her security. You see, it shows us what can happen when men are in charge and just don't get it. It shows us what, hap- what can happen when men are in charge and don't keep their desires in check. On the other hand, Joseph is stuck in a hard place with advances from a woman in authority over her, I mean over him. This is a wife of the head of the secret service of Egypt. What is she thinking? Is she trying to get the boy killed? This, can, this shows us what can happen when women are in charge and don't keep their desires in check. See, as someone has said, in the Bible, there is total depravity and equal opportunity to sin. So what's a boy like Joseph to do? How can a young man keep his way pure, as the psalmist asked? With the negative pressure within and our families, our own families, and that of those outside, where can we find hope for our youth today? And the simple answer that our passage gives us is the presence of the beloved Son of God. 
See, like the presence of the fourth man in the furnace was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The presence of the beloved Son of God is our only hope for success between the rock and a hard place. See, God has no intention before Jesus comes back to remove us from the world. So buckle up. There is no escapism in the Christian faith. We can't just set up our own colonies and make sure everything is perfect. If that's your hope, if that's what our desire is, our FCF, we're going against God's will. We're called to be where God is. See, but God also promises to be with us. His famous last words that the beloved son of God gave us is, I'm with you even to the end of the ages. So even when your parents can come with you, even when your parents don't know where you are, and parents, even when you don't know where your children are, you can entrust them into the hand of God. Now, to fully appreciate why we need so much the presence of God, we have to realize the depth of the problem. See, youth, I wish on Tuesday we'll fix all our problems in the city when we vote. I really do. I wish all we needed were some responsible, capable, educated politicians to get their act together to fix our problems, to make the world a better place. But the problem is deeper than that, the Bible says. Now, don't get me wrong. Youth have every right to be angry and upset with the indifference, the abuse, and the callousness of the people in authority. Joseph has every right to be upset with his brothers. He has every right to be upset with the Ishmaelites. He has every right to be upset with the Egyptians, with Potiphar. Dare I say, he might even have every right to be upset with God. Joseph should be angry that people in authority over him are constantly abusing their power. But youth, can I tell you, you also need to realize the problem is deeper than that. What do I mean? In our passage today, you can not help but feel the pain of the separation between parents and children and how that affects everything, even the innocent bystander. Here, Jacob is besides himself because the gulf between him and his son, whom he wants to love, right, is so wide that he's, he does not know what to do. His other sons are a mess. We only got a detailed profile of one. Thank God we didn't get all of them. But we know for a fact these guys are hardened. Hardened, folks. Jacob is eager to find where his brothers are. I mean, Jacob's eager to find where his son is. He's under the impression that his beloved son is dead. And parents, here's my encouragement to you from this story. Don't believe the voices that say your sons, your daughters are dead. 
Don't believe those voices that tell you they're lost. Don't believe those voices that tell you there is no hope. If this story teaches us anything, it teaches us that we should not ever presume on thinking we know what God is about or what plan God has for our children. And Jacob's sons, who have some idea of where their brother may be, are so eager to take his place. For years, imagine this, for years they cohabitate with their father, knowing that his brother, knowing that their brother might be here or there. They never tell their father the truth. For years, talk about family secrets. Talk about tension in a home. I suspect if they told their father the truth, confessed and took some responsibility for the mess they've created, they would have had to stop whatever important things they were doing and go find your brother. It's really hard to empathize with the older brothers, but can we try? Let's try. There's clearly animosity between the father and his children, and you would hope the father would make the first move to squash the beef. But he doesn't. See, I've been asking myself this question. What did Jacob do to these boys to make them so cold? But here's the flip side to that question. What would it cause Jacob to thaw that coldness? What would it cause Jacob to change your hearts, to draw them in? Imagine this. You have 10 blood brothers standing around as your brother screams for his life. Joseph's life matters. My life matters. And they are not moved compassion. Rather, they relegate him to lifelong slavery. Maybe they told themselves, Joseph has been living on handouts from his father all his life, which was true. But it's true of them as well, isn't it? They told themselves, perhaps it's time for him to get a real job, to pull himself by his bootstraps, to get his act together. I don't know. I'm just using my imagination here, y'all. But back to the father, though. From the womb, Jacob has been scheming. We know this from the story, right? And he's been getting away with it. But here's an inside job. Because they've been living with Joseph, I mean Jacob. So they know how to get to him. They know exactly what strings to pull to get back at their father. Because chances are they've been victims of his tactics. And now they got the chance to outwit him. And you might ask, but is this the only way to repay your father for his sins? Does the beloved son have to pay for the sins of the father? Does the son have to become the object of the children's wrath? 
Can I ask you a question? What if these were the terms of peace? What if this is what it will cause the father and the sons to be at peace? See, the other sons wanted to be loved too, you know. And they suspected this would be the only way. With, Jake, with Joseph around, they do not think they are loved. With Joseph so tucked into the bosom of his father, they don't think the father can love them. Yet how many fathers in their right minds will volunteer separation from their beloved son into a far country for wretched people like those 10 boys? God better find another way. (laughs) Have things gone so bad that the beloved son has to be sacrificed? Is this the only way? And the Bible tells us, yes, this is the only way. How can the father show his children he does want peace with them and they need not take it by force? And you guys know where I'm going with this. You guys know where I'm going with this because Jesus, the beloved son of God, was cast away so that we know that God really does love us. That wretched people like us, wretched lot like you and me, would know the father would not spare any resources to show us he loves us. To squash the beef between us. To bring us peace. The father will give up his beloved son so that we may have peace with God. Now, I want you to know that no one knows more the cause of separation and the pressure the world puts on your children like your father in heaven. He's literally lived it. And youth, I want you to know that no one knows more about separation from your father more than Jesus. Isn't that something? Isn't that something that we can go to Jesus knowing that he knows what it means for your father to be absent? Have you found a God like this? Where would you go to find a God like this, I ask you? Church, I want you to know that no one knows more about bearing the wrath of God and the wrath of the world more than Jesus. Do you feel like God is out to get you? Do you feel like God is out to get you? Fear not. Fear not. He offered his own son to show you that he's not out to get you. See, Joseph has every right to feel like... God is out to get him. But he's being set apart for a great mission, for peace, for salvation of the world. Jacob would never send his son into the far country, even if it meant salvation for the world. Yet I know a father who will. Joseph would never volunteer for the far country, even if he knew 
It was the only way. Yet I know a son who will. Parents, entrust your children to your Father in heaven. Children, lean, learn from Jesus, complete trust in your heavenly Father to endure in this crazy world, no matter where he sends you. Amen. Lord, um, we really marvel at how, how much you would do to show us you love us. I do pray that this gesture really will thaw our cold hearts, that we know that you do indeed love us, that this was the only way. Help us to see Jesus as the beloved son who was cast away so that we may know your love for us, so that we may have room at the table. Amen. Thanks, Reuben. As, as you were preaching at the end, a, a verse came to me. I'll share Romans chapter 8, verse 30, 31, 32. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God gave his son up for us that he might give us all things. We're blessed by Jesus Christ, and uh, thank you for that word. Joseph is about Jesus. Hope you know that. Let's stand and, and uh, do a closing chorus. Let's do Almighty to Save. Our God moves mountains. He's mighty to save. And uh, we have it here. Love of God, our Father, the grace of Jesus Christ, who conquered the grave, and the blessing and the power and presence of the Spirit of God be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.